Is it okay if I pray before I preach? Thank you. Father, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the permission. Father, thank you that you've given me a message to share to your people, and I pray that you will help me to give it according to your heart, that your heart will come across to your people tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in light of how we were in worship tonight, I, I really sensed and felt that we went into a very deep place with God's presence and felt His touch. And um, I thought I'm going to be jumping up and down the stage tonight in my sermon and just having a good time, but I, I had a sense while I was preparing this that there's a, there's a seriousness to the message that I need to bring across as well. And um, so I want to, tonight, with regards to where we are at with um, the Disciples' Quest and our theme, Tonight we're looking at Ephesians 2, and the topic is one in Christ. But now if you heard what all the words were tonight, um, I want to have a subtitle, Back to Your First Love. When I was preparing this message, I felt God say to me, it's time that you just call my people back to their first love again. And it's not a condemning thing. It's not a thing like you are far away from the Lord. It's just whether you are very close to the Lord. It's just a thing, maybe I should step in and lean in deeper. Or maybe you don't know the Lord at all, and this is a call for you to say, maybe I should get to know this person, Jesus, that people say is our first love. Okay, so this message is for everybody. But where I want to start, listen to this, this is quite cool. I want to start at the end, come back to the beginning at Ephesians 2, and then run back to the end again. Is that okay? So, so you need to follow me. <clears throat> Reason being is, when I heard about Ephesians 2 and 1 in Christ, the first thing that popped to my mind is, is purpose and, and passion and how these people, when I read through the second book of Ephesians, how the people were sinned and came alive in Christ, I thought there's another scriptures of Ephesians that I need to read, and it's in Revelation 2. So interesting, no coincidence. Revelation 2, Ephesians 2, right? Not Okay, you don't get it. Okay, cool. Revelation 2, it says the following in verse 2. Um, so what happened here is Paul is writing firstly to the Ephesians in the um, book of Ephesians about 30 years prior to where John was writing the book of Revelation. It's approximately 30, 35 years. And John is writing this. Listen up. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That's a beautiful word, hey? Saying this to them. You know, saying, you know, it's just encouraging them for this. So this is 30 years later that he's saying, you've done this well. But listen to the next sentence, verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. And then it says, repent and do the things you did at first. God doesn't just say you have forsaken your first love. He also gives you something to help you to get back to that. He says, do the things you've done at first. And it's very important to understand that... Um, in, in, in light of the Corinthian, uh, not the Corinthians, I've been saying that the whole time in preparation, in light of the Ephesian church 30 years earlier, they are a church that in this scenario where we're at now have lost their zeal for the Lord. 
So their zeal is gone. They started doing things for their own gain. In the community, although they were a community, they still did things for their own gain. And it wasn't for, for the glory of God. It was more for their own self. And that's where I want to come in because it was a very humanistic thing that they had. And it says so well that we must come back to our first, first love. And that's where I want to climb in tonight. Our first love is Jesus Christ, right from the onset. And when I was thinking about this and, and just praying about it some more, listening to some other feedback, my purpose in life, before anything, before I have a purpose of getting up to go to work, before I have a purpose of, you know, I'm in a relationship and I, I need to look after this person that's in my life, before anything, my primary purpose is Jesus and what happens, I heard Craig Richelle says this the other day so nicely, what happens when we have a purpose, when you have a purpose, passion will follow. You see, if I am passionate about Jesus Christ, I will become contagious to the people around me. People will see inside of me Jesus. And if he's my purpose, Jesus is my purpose, then also from that will flow passion. You understand? So coming from that place that, yes, we're skipping back now, we're going back to the book of Ephesians, but I wanted to bring it across to you that Jesus is our first love. He's the primary reason and the only reason that I have eternal life, that you who have accepted Him as your King and Savior have eternal life and can come to the Father. He is the only one. He is the first. And we need to place Him first. So, so in this, God says, he's, He said, you must do the things you did at first. And who knows that when we get born again, when you accept Jesus, you change and things happen and you start really just saying, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. I'll get to a testimony later, a bit of my own life, and I'll share around it with you. But So let's go to the book of Ephesians 2. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm going to read about it a bit later. I just want to give you some things on background with the book, and then we'll go from there. Some background in the book of Ephesians 2. So now we're skipping back. We were in the future now, 30 years. Now we're back in the book of Ephesians 2, where Paul was writing to them out of prison. In Ephesians, it talks about them being dead to them. So at the beginning, he says, you were dead because of your sin. Everybody was dead because of sin. So this is the background. None of us were ever really alive. We only become fully alive when we accept Christ Jesus as our Savior. And from there, we become alive. So everybody was dead to life. And so interesting. Um, yeah. So I want to read through the book of Ephesians. There's some scriptures that I've highlighted that I think that I want to bring across to you guys tonight that I want to highlight. And then I'm going to speak about it a bit just to show you from where God has brought us and where He wants to take us again forward, moving forward. It says there, so in Ephesians 2, it says in verse 4, But God is rich in mercy and He loved us very much. We were spiritually dead because of all that we have done against Him. Then it goes on in verse 6 and it says, Yes, it is because we are part of Christ Jesus that God raised us from death and seated us together with Him in heavenly places. God did this, God, sorry, God did this so that His kindness to us 
who belong to Christ Jesus would clearly show for all time to come in his amazing riches for his grace. And I want to say that from this, we see that God's grace is so big. It's because of his grace that he said, I'm sending my son Jesus and here's my grace. You accept him and you get eternal life. So this is what's happening here. So we've been raised from a, a, a dead life, being sinners, into a life of Christ Jesus being, making us alive. It goes on to say this, <clears throat> sorry, in verse, verse 9 it says, You are not saved by the things you have done, so there is nothing to boast about. God has made us what we are. Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things He had already planned for us to do. Isn't it amazing that this God who's given us this grace has even planned for us to do good things in advance. He's planned good works for us. And that's why He says to you, you cannot even boast about the good things you do. Isn't that amazing? Because if you look way in the future again in Revelation, he was speaking to them and he says, you do all these things well, you do community well, you do all these things well, but you've forsaken your first love. You can do works as much as you can and be the best and most well, I want to say, mannered person, doing good for everybody. But if you have not accepted God's grace through Jesus Christ, it means nothing. And I want to say this as well. When I read this, it's so beautiful to think that even if I get something to do, I know that God's already laid it before me to do. I must just be willing to do that. And in that, I'm working with Him instead of being able to boast about myself. Just something very interesting. That good things He speaks about there, in the King James Version, it speaks in that verse about workmanship. And that word, workmanship, work, Men's ship, sorry, it's big for me. I, you know, I've spoken to you about my studies before. Okay, so let's leave that at that. But I did go and study about these things. In the Greek, there's a word called poeme, spelled P-O-I-E-M-E, -E, something like that. But the word poeme, we get the word poem from. And what happened is God says, you are my workmanship, and you are actually my poem. You are my art. My masterpiece. How amazing is that? So God says, I've given you Jesus so that you can come to life again. Not just that, I've prepared good works for you to do so that you can just step in and be part of what I've already planned to do. But not that, you are my masterpiece. So you can look at the persons around you and think, wow, this is a masterpiece. You know, some people might look at each other and go, hmm, you know. You know, I think I could have helped the Lord a bit there or there, you know. Mm, yeah. But isn't that... <laughs> yeah, sorry. I sometimes just laugh, but it's okay. We've, you know, God's, God's given us eyes like His to look at people. And you can accept any person that stands in front of you because of His grace. I also just want to touch on something here. I think it's very, very important. If I grasp this... That now there's two things. There's Jesus in, I'm going to use you, can I use this example, Matthew? So Matthew is born again. I'm going to speak to people that's born again, people that have accepted Jesus now, okay? People that have said, I accept Jesus, I surrender, I repent, I'm walking a road of repentance, I'll get to that now. But so Matthew is a born again Christian. 
Now I am a born-again Christian. Okay. So now I come past Matthew. How's it, Matthew? Just normal talk, normal talk. And all of a sudden, I lash out at Matthew. If I understand this correctly, that Christ is in us, then it means I am lashing out at Matthew, but Christ in him. Okay, so like I said, this sermon can get heavy, okay? So that means I need to start looking at Matthew differently. When I speak to Matthew, I speak to Christ in Matthew as well. When I do something for Matthew, I'm working with God to help Matthew, but Christ in Matthew, because you understand what I'm saying? You get what I'm getting at. Then on the other side, if I speak to someone that's not a believer, and this is where it's so important to allow Christ to bring us to life and conform us to Him and His image, and we have to carry the fruit of the Spirit. There needs to be fruit of the Spirit showing in our lives. Because here's the other thing. If I see someone that's never accepted Jesus Christ before, Naomi, can I use you as a Example, okay. So I see Naomi. He's sitting there. He's never accepted Christ before. I like to call him a potential, okay? This is, this is in my mind. For me, I used to be in the insurance industry. Everybody was a potential client, and I think the Lord used that. You need a policy, man. You need a policy to buy a bola. <laughs> you need a policy for so many things. So I call it potentials. He's not born again. But he's a potential. I might meet him for the first time or I know that he's never, know him well enough that he's never accepted Jesus. So now my response to him, Christ in me, is going to respond to him, getting him to know Christ. Where's my purpose? My primary purpose is Jesus Christ. My passion flows from my purpose and then I become contagious and I spill over into Naomi. And he doesn't become, he's not just a potential anymore. He comes to a place where he says, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my King and Savior. We need to hear these things because we're in a disciple journey. We're in a journey of becoming more and more disciples. And we're also in a journey of making more and more disciples. And you're going to get asked these questions. So how do I treat this person? A simple way, if I look at someone in front of me and I see you, and not just you, but Jesus inside of you. I will treat you much different as, to, as I just saw you as another human being. And I need to get my mind focused or, or off the focus of just me and myself, like the Ephesians were, out of their own game. If I do something for someone else to show, hey, I'm doing something good for someone, you know, that's not nice. But when I just continuously do good because I know God has planned good works in advance for me to do, and I must just be available. Then we're going to be a community of discipling each other and discipling the people around us. Then it's a good thing that I belong in flocks. We've spoken about the flocks previously. If you're in a flock with someone, then you can bring these questions to them. And you have times where you can testify and say, I've been going through this and I don't know how to speak to this guy. How do I speak to someone that says, I'm going to give you an example. When I used to work at a company, a green company, in Johannesburg, selling policies, um, in our team was a lot of different religions, okay? A lot of different people, different religions. So there was a Jew, there was a guy from another religion, 
there was a Hindu, there was a Muslim, there was me and another Christian. So it was all different religions. And I was sitting at my cubicle working on my computer, tick, 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 tick. And the one guy comes to me, the, the Muslim guy, and he says to me, Gideon, I just watched The Passion of Christ. What an amazing movie, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's good because, you know, I'm glad you're watching that, you know? And then as he's busy speaking to me, the Jew pops over and he says, but listen, it shows that the Jews killed Jesus. Is that true? So now I'm sitting at work with these questions coming my way. What do you do? You know? So I, yeah, I, I sat there and I'm like, shifted the computer away. And I looked at them both. At the end of the day, the, the Muslim guy didn't convert. He believed that Jesus is a prophet, but he doesn't believe he's the savior. And the Jewish guy said he needs to go speak to his rabbi because I said you can go and study in your history books and everything. It's because of you shouting crucify, crucify that the Roman government did it. And he says, I never knew it. It was quite interesting for me that he said that he never knew it. But at my workplace, that happened. So can you imagine you're in flock groups and you go to your flocky and you speak to them and they, you know, yeah, how do we handle this? Or you go to them and say something amazing happened this week. You know, because we become alive in Christ. We become passionate about Jesus. And that goes up over into the next part where it says we won in Christ. So I've touched on it already. If we have a body of Christians can start moving out and be contagious to the people around us. In our workplace, in our relationships, in our I'm going to go in our boyfriend-girlfriend relationships as well, in our marriages, in our fiancés, and all these places. Put Jesus first. We'll have a different scenario. One in Christ. It says here in verse 13, Yes, at one time you were far away from God, but now in Christ Jesus you are brought near to Him. You are brought near to God through the blood sacrifice of Christ. This just again shows us that through the blood of Jesus... We are all added together. Just a quick background on what happened here. So you had Jewish believers that were, now they're Jewish, but they're born again. So they come to the synagogues and they praise God. Okay? So, and then you get Gentile believers that now also get born again. And they praise God a bit differently because they're pagans. Okay, so now you had these two groups. The one says, this is how you should do it because this is what we used to and this is what we... You know, this one said, no, but this, we, don't, we don't even know about that. We just used to this. And that's why Paul says, and how he writes here, he says, through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and it says in the next verse, verse 14, Christ is the reason we are now at peace. Christ brings us together from all backgrounds. And we come together in a place where I can say, I need to let go. I'm, I'm, can I be honest about something? I always say that it's important to have your culture, but my culture cannot get in the way of my Christianity. Because when I'm born again, Christ becomes my new normal, bottom line. And if my culture, I come from a, a kidney, uh, uh, like a, I'm not a farmer, but somehow I'm from the farmer's background. Um, I can go into my family tree and things like that, but that's, that's my background. And some people are from the Zulu background. And some people are from, you know, the Eastern background, from wherever. The moment I accept Jesus 
as my king and savior, my culture takes second. And I need to find a way to see the person in front of me as Christ. We become one. Because you see, can I touch on something? It's not color that makes us be um, racist. It's I cannot accept your culture. That sometimes is in the way. And if I can get to a place where I say we won in Christ, I accept you as you are, culture and all, but you also in Christ. So now we can come together and compromise and serve God together. Cool. In verse 15 it says, Christ ended the law with many commands and rules, telling this to the, about the Jews now. His purpose was to make two groups become one in Him. By doing this, He would make peace. So again, this is where the Gentiles and the Jews became one in two groups, becoming one. And he says in verse 18, um, yes, through Jesus Christ, we all have the right to come to the Father in one spirit. Isn't that amazing? So we can all, through Jesus Christ, come to the Father in one spirit. I love this. I really enjoyed reading. I was reading Ephesians 2 probably about for two weeks every day. It's really such a, such a nice lot of information to help us. And then I want to come to a conclusion. Lorenz, can I ask you a favor? Can you come? So I want to come. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't speak to Lorenz before the time, but I, I sometimes ask him. I want to land this, and I want to speak to you guys. So in verse 19 of Ephesians 2, So now... You non-Jewish people are not visitors and strangers, but you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. That's all of us here, okay? You believers are like the building that God owns. That building was built on the foundation that the apostles and the prophets preferred. Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in that building. The whole building is joined together in Christ. And he makes it grow and become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Christ you are being built together with his, with his other people. You are being made into a place where God lives through his spirit. He's not talking about the physical building. He's talking about us. A place where we can be the building and together. So I want to, I felt as I was preparing this, that there's, there's three groups of people that I wanted to pray for tonight. You see, because there's challenges that will come over your way. If you say, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will have challenges. A clear challenge is, are you going to disciple more people? And when I was reading this and I was reading Revelation, I said, Lord, please help us to not 30 years from now be a church where you say, you have forsaken your first love. And the challenge tonight is, is not as much to say you have not forsaken your first love. It is a thing to say, let's make sure in our hearts that we have Jesus as our first love. That Jesus is our every, everything. Because when Jesus is my everything at my workplace, I will be different. I will act different. I'll do things differently. Short testimony. I always say, before I got born again, 
I used to do everything wrong that you can think of, most people can think of, except I didn't do Satanism and I didn't do drugs. Okay? The night before I became a Satanist, I was 15, I'll never forget it, my parents grabbed hold of me, they caught us do some naughty things, and they took us for deliverance. And if it wasn't for that, then I probably would have been a Satanist the following day. God knew, because I don't do things halfway. I go full out. But you know what happened? That night after my deliverance and after I've really... It was actually almost a year before that. I went and I walked to the front from a pavilion in Porchevstrom. There was a crusade from a guy, um, Jeff something. He was the lead singer of Black Sabbath. He got born again and he made an invitation to say, do you want to accept Jesus? And I walked down from the pavilion and I gave my heart to the Lord. And I promise you, I can give you point for point times where this is how I would have reacted. And then you cannot react and respond the same way anymore once you've accepted Jesus in your life. You will be different. And it's not a thing to say, oh, I'm different now because of Jesus. I am different. I'm a new creation because of Jesus. And if it wasn't for Him, I would have been completely lost. So I'm standing in front of you and saying that we must never forget our first love. And it took a couple of years from there to get to the point where I completely said, not I'm completely surrendered to you. I, Man, it, it took a couple of times saying, Lord, forgive me again. It's a road of repentance that we continually need to walk. Every day, there's things I can repent of, but I get closer to God every day. And that's the main thing, to get as close to Jesus as we can. So I want us to close our eyes. And tonight I want to, in light of that, saying our first love, I want to give people an opportunity here that's never, ever, ever said, I want to accept Jesus as my King and Savior in my life. I want to give you an opportunity to say, I want to do that tonight. If you raise your hand and I can see who you are, I would just love to pray with you. Is there anybody like that here tonight? I see you guys at the back. If those people who's raised their hands can just pray in your heart after me. Father, I come before you and I repent of all my sin. I accept you, Jesus, into my heart fully and surrender my life to you. Will you come and be my best friend? Lord, I pray that as those people pray this prayer and turn their hearts to you, that they will experience what we've been speaking about, our first love. That tonight there will be something that happens in their heart. And Father, we rejoice with all the angels in heaven for these souls that's given their hearts to Jesus. We thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can keep your eyes closed. Those people that put up their hands, I'm going to ask you to please come to the table afterwards. If the people next to them can just come and show them. I just want your names written down so after the service I can contact you in the week. 
Then I felt to pray for people that feel, I've been close to the Lord for so long, but I want to come closer. I want to be so much closer. I've said to the Lord a lot the last while, Lord, I hear your voice in troubled times, and we call on your name, and we so want to hear you speak to us when we're really in desperate times. But Lord, come and speak to me in the good times as well so that I know when the trouble comes that you've already spoken and I can face whatever I need to face. So if you feel you just want to have the Lord come closer to your heart and touch you now, just open up your palms. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come and touch your people now. Lord, I pray that they will experience that very first love. The first time they ever said, Jesus, here I am. I accept you. Just come and fill your people now, Holy Spirit. Just let them feel that tangibly. Lord, we don't want to walk out of here tonight feeling the same, being the same. We want to walk out of here knowing that, Jesus, you are my everything. If as you sit there, just say to the Lord, you are my everything all over again. And just start telling him how much you love him. Start thanking him, Jesus, for who he is and what he's done for you. Amen. Cool. You guys all right? Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting when you want to minister to people. I've been, because I rehearsed this in the garage. <laughs> so for me, it's like every time I did this, I do the closing every time. Because every time I experienced, it's like I experienced God for the first time. It is amazing. And I want to encourage you guys to continually do that. Lord Jesus, you are my first love. I choose you above everything and anything. Cool. Amen. Listen, you must have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday again. Have a great time. Please remember to have a cup of coffee with us. If you are new in the service for the first time, sign up your name to become a volunteer. We get involved and then come and have a coffee with us. Amen. Have a great evening.